Welcome into Other People's Shoes, the podcast where listeners get to step into the lives of others and see the world through their shoes. Your host, Neil Matthews, is a seasoned interviewer who has a natural talent for empathizing with his guests and drawing out their unique perspectives. Through a combination of storytelling and insightful questioning, Other People's Shoes explores the lives of a diverse range of guests, from everyday people to celebrities and thought leaders. With a warm and welcoming style, Neil creates a safe and supportive space for his guests to share their stories, while also challenging listeners to broaden their perspective and think more deeply about the world around them. So tune in to Other People's Shoes with Neil Matthews and get ready to step into other people's shoes. Merry Christmas to you! That is right. Welcome into Other People's Shoes. Merry Christmas. It is here. The Christmas holiday is among us. How many of you have already started your Christmas wrapping? Who is left on your Christmas list? That is always my question as we kick off into December. Now, full disclosure, next week I'm going to be gone. Don't worry. Do not fret. There is a present under the tree for you with your name on it. And if you are careful and you don't tell Santa, I'll let you unwrap it next Wednesday. So next Wednesday, I will actually be gone, but you will still have an episode to listen to. That's the power of technology. I will be on my way to the Bahamas as I celebrate Christmas the way the Islanders do. I think that's a Christmas song, actually a Jimmy Buffett song. He wants Santa to come in on a canoe. I figure it's only fitting that we unwrap a present with you today. In fact, I can now say this with confidence and assurance. I've actually met her in real life, in real person, and in real time, not just virtually. She is my good friend, a sister from another mother, maybe even another. Well, we have the same father but another mother. That's a whole different story all in itself. I do have to say what a joy and what a gem I have for you today, this present to unwrap. So if you're feeling the anxiety push and maybe you're looking for a breath of fresh air, don't fear, don't fret. The lady that has the air that we breathe, Miss Jody Howe, how are you? Neil, what an introduction. Thank you so much for that. You're so awesome. And yes, we did We did have the incredible benefit slash blessing of meeting a few weeks ago in my neck of the woods, which is probably where you wish you were. Because <laughs> for those who don't know how obsessed you are with North Carolina, UNC and the Tar Heels, it was so great to finally meet you and your brother-in-law, who is the awesome brother of your amazing wife, Elizabeth, our dear friend, Adria, and another blessing to you because I've met her a few times, but you finally got to meet her. So it's really cool. We've been virtual pals for three years and now the Lord was able to bring us together and hang out and just laugh, 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 laugh. Thank you so much for having me. I really mean it. It really means a lot to me. Since I've known you, which I think is almost going on four, almost five years now, which is pandemic year. Pandemic year. So, so yeah, we're okay. moving on 24. Yep. So we're moving on to almost four years knowing each other. And so the idea of us connecting again with Adria and my brother-in-law, there were just so many little God winks. So to help back in November, I went out to North Carolina for a football game, which started out that way. And so I reached out to Jody and I said, hey, I'm going to be in the neighborhood. We're going to watch a football game. Maybe we can meet up. And lo and behold, Adria, our friend, shows up as well. And then it turned into not only a football game, but a basketball game, <laughs> because that's how awesome life and God is. He just shows up. It was great to connect with you and Adria. Yeah, it was. Absolutely. I just feel bad for Rory, my brother-in-law. He has come back since and asked multiple times, what was more exhausting, <laughs> the trip or Neil? Undoubtedly, he doesn't even hesitate. He says, Neil. <laughs> 
I don't, I don't know I what to do with that. I just love your brother-in-law. He's my coolest new friend. He definitely is an incredible person of stature that is able to bear your crazy. I've never seen anything like it. Your wife bears your crazy. So now it's a family affair happening on the West Coast. So you I should know it. this too. The shoes that I wore the last day we were there, I have not worn them in Oregon yet. Because of the tar? Don't want the actual- Because of the dirt. Yeah, the Tar Heel dirt. Remnants of the flooring of the- yeah. Oh, the Dean yeah. I don't even, dude, you need help. That's all I'm going to say. Hey, I got a book for that. Jody, this is a first. I was saying this in the green room. First, I've never had a guest featured on an episode and then a couple episodes later come back again on a solo episode. This is a first because you were back at 250 back in October before I yeah. came out to North Carolina. And here you are now. And there's a reason you're here. Here's the thing in all, in all seriousness, like we can kid and joke and we can have that sibling rivalry as, as we're so good at together having. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. This holiday season to me, doesn't seem so joyful, doesn't seem so merry. My words are saying Merry Christmas, but my heart is actually sad. We just lost my my grandmother within the last couple of months now, been since the end of October till now. Thanksgiving wasn't the same. She wasn't here and we had it in her house, which by the way is where I'm living now. I'm living in her house. There's a whole story behind that. It didn't seem the same. And Christmas is on the horizon as we were already talking about. And it doesn't feel the same because she's not here. Get it walking upwards from the valley of the shadow of death. This book was written six years ago. I'm just so enamored at God's timing because it truly was never ready until now. By the grace of God, I had a friend who really lit a fire under my spirit and said, get it out now because I'm going through grief. My husband left me after 26 years of marriage, 30 years of friendship relationship, basically walked out of the marriage, walked out of the door, walked out of the state. And it's been a year of grief. I can't believe I got this book out considering those circumstances, but it is the grace, the power, the trust, the surrender, the obedience, the reverence, the commitment, and most especially the, the feather wings of the Lord's embossing my heartbreak in a way that I could have done it without him. These are God-breathed words, testimonies, circumstances. My anxiety didn't even come back during this time of grief. And it is because of this book and this testimony and the growth that the Lord allowed me to have just through him. I did not have any anxiety. I'm not saying it was easy. I've had grief. I've had anger. I've had frustration. I've had sadness, loneliness, all of the things, but I didn't have anxiety because I knew how to deal with it. I had dealt with it. I wrote about it. I lived it. I believed that the tips prayers and the testimonies would help someone else. It was a book that I didn't have when I was really, really sick with anxiety. And I write in there, Neil, milestones, unforeseen circumstances, they're going to hit us. And it's interesting how this particular one in my life, a marriage breaking up, a marriage ending. In fact, a statistic I heard one time that the top three hardest things that the human condition can ever endure. Number one, get this one, death of a spouse. See, most parents, we think, oh, it's got to be a death of a child. No, death of a spouse. Guess what number two is? Death of a marriage. Number three, death of a child. That just blows my mind. So you lose your spouse and it goes off into the eternal world. Number two is death of a marriage because it's such a natural everyday thing now. And everybody just sort of like it's the stigma is just whatever. People don't look at it like a, an issue. It's a heartbreak. When I had heard that statistic and then all of a sudden here I am living a really bad top three human condition, heartbreak, sadness, grief. I was able to minister myself <laughs> through this book. It's crazy. It's how God works. It's how he works. I don't like the saying that it's not going to give you more than you can handle. That's actually not true. 
I've had moments where I just didn't think I could handle this. What he does is he sees you through the process and he endures you through it. Life is going to give you more than you can handle, but God is going to give you a strength to get through it. It's it's really good stuff, Neil. I'm just giving you all kinds of little tips in it. I'm revering the Lord and I'm praying with you and I'm hoping you'll be able to go through this book realizing I get the anxious struggles that we deal with, there is healing through God. You outwardly seem like you have it all together. Outwardly, you seem like, hmm, it's cool. Out here in Oregon, we have a lot of ducks. That's the University of Oregon. They are the University of Oregon ducks. There's this thing that happens with the ducks is when they're above the water, their whole body is above the water, they're cool. They're calm. They're chilling on top of the water. But beneath, you look at them and they're kicking like crazy to stay afloat. That's what you seem like to me, Jody, is this Oregon duck, if I may use that analogy. Is, again, outwardly now meeting you face to face, you seem all together. You seem very well put together. Your outfits are coordinated. Your shoes, by the way, are very coordinated. They're amazing. You just seem like you're on your worship team, like things are going good. You have a stage presence to you. You have all these things. Your house is well put together. Everything is going good. Below the surface, it's a whole different animal. Well, I'm not faking it. And I, I want to well, make that very clear. I'm not saying that you're not. I want to be clear on yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not the, saying that, you, that you're not. No, no, no. I know, you, I know I, you're I not, but I really want to make it true that- to everyone listening. When I'm authentic in my spirit and in my presence, it's, it's really true. I have to be real, Neil, and tell you that it's been hard. I can only say this is that the Lord has taught me to work how to work through it. He left me in February and it was about March. We went to a conference. It was in Florida, conference room and worship team. And it was really hard to be there, but it was great because I needed to be around people in ministry. The fellowship community was critical for what just happened to myself and to my youngest daughter, who also sings on the worship team with me. So she came with me. So we went and did this, this sort of, I call it a mission trip because we were in a truck with like 10 other people driving all the way to Florida back. It was really profound, but what I learned about from Christine Kane. Some of you have heard her name before. She's a Bible teacher. And she's got tons of books out there. She's awesome. She introduced me to the faith cocoon and the faith cocoon consists of, I don't know the number, but I'm just going to tell you what it consists of because I don't think I ever numerically did it in my head, but it is a, a cocoon that you put around yourself. That is just you and the word fellowship with Christian people only worship music downtime as much as possible in devotionals and in prayer. And you surround yourself with these critical elements, small group, if you have a small group, if you're in a small group, and you don't step out of this cocoon as much as you possibly can control that. And what it's doing really metaphorically is it's building the butterfly to fly in the new direction that the Lord has for you. This end of the marriage, the Lord said to me, get out of the way. We had had a very just disgruntled marriage for years. In hindsight, is never 2020, but as I look back, it was never really good. I mean, there was good parts of it. It brought two children into the world. I, he's not a godly man. I'm a godly woman. That just clashed. This circumstance hit its real depth of despair. The Lord said, get out of the way. This is going to hurt. This isn't going to be easy. I've got it written on my wall. I've got you. And I'm going to show you how this is going to be worked out for good. So trust me, stick to Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, and know that I'm going to get you through this. 
this. And he has. I had to commit to this faith cocoon in order to stabilize me without allowing the flesh and the secular world to come in and tear me down. Actually could have happened. I really did emboss myself in this cocoon. And that's what I would say helped me to hold things together a lot easier than most. I've met a lot of people through the show the last five years almost. And I've met some divorced ladies. Your gal Patty Davis comes to mind on an episode with us quite a while back in our season 11, Mending Under Pressure, how we entitled that episode. I've heard a lot of ladies say that marriage, when it ends, it's like grieving. It's like losing someone. You have to go through a grief stage and all the steps that come with that, the grieving process. The flip side of that coin, if we were going to turn it over, people have also shared with me, there's a moment where they start to realize or maybe struggle or have to come to grips with that in some way they're disqualified. They're damaged goods. God can never use them again. Yeah. Have you ever battled in those arenas? How did you come over that? That was the first three months part of this separation. I was petrified that I was going to let the Lord down. Ironically enough, I honestly wasn't even so concerned about what my kids felt. I wasn't so concerned about what the world felt, what my friends felt, family. I didn't care. I was concerned that I was going to let the Lord down because he really does hate divorce. He believes very much in the covenant of marriage. Why? Because it's supposed to be a holy union, man and a woman coming together to glorify him. I was really, really scared that I was going to let him down. A couple friends of mine in fellowship were able to pull out the scripture in First Corinthians. I don't know right off the top of my head, but it speaks to how when you're unequally yoked and if the spouse is willing to stay, that is as a non-believer and you're a believer, you know, Paul says it to church, you can stay, you should stay. Non-believer leaves, you are free and you are at peace right there in the scriptures. Now people come and challenge the whole other thought about in Matthew about how Jesus talks about it. There's a lot behind it. Here's the thing. You're not married to a man who has the same worldview. My worldview was Jesus was God, was faith, was scripture, was prayer, was glorifying the Lord. That was going to be a conflict of interest, irreconcilable difference. That was my biggest concern. And once I was able to pray through that and realize, you know what, the Lord does not want you in an abusive relationship. He doesn't want you in a relationship where you're not being treated the way the church is supposed to be treated from Jesus. Jesus said, men treat your wives like I treated the church and how I, how he loved the church. All of those things, if it's not happening, then I believe God does give you the okay. If you're not prospering in spirit and you're being held back by verbal abuse and, and other things, then that's not of God because he's the God of the fruits of the spirit. And those things are absent. There's no joy. There's no peace. There was no patience. It was very little peace, very little patience. Kindness, it came and went. Goodness came and went. Faithfulness, that's a whole nother podcast. Gentleness, no. Self-control, no. Those fruits of the spirit were not implemented in my marriage. And as much as I prayed and tried and trusted and hoped my ex-husband had every opportunity, and I know Patty said this, had every opportunity to go to the Lord and figure all this out, and he refused. Do I think that had I not walked through the anxiety episodes and what that did to my body and it's in my book and in my testimony, would I have been able to endure what I gone through in this year? No. So I think the Lord prepares us, and he prepared me in my favorite scripture in 2 Corinthians. I was hard-pressed on every side, but it didn't crush me. I knew that the God of the universe, the God that I serve, that I love, that I adore, is going to work this out for good, and there's something that he is planning, and I have to just settle in that trust. And even though this was perplexing because given up 30 years of my life to someone and all of a sudden they're gone, it wasn't a place of despair. It was a place of loneliness and sadness. 
sadness, God had to become my bridegroom. Jesus Christ had to become my bridegroom. I had to virtually and spiritually become married to Jesus Christ, allow him to take care of me. And he has, and he has been so, so faithful. And this part, persecuted, but not abandoned. I mean, my ex-husband left me because of my faith. Doesn't like admit to that, but that's why. My faith offended him. He's living in darkness. I'm living in the light. My light was overshadowing, was burning his eyes. That's first world persecution right there. The Lord never abandoned me on that. I was willing to die in the hill that is Jesus Christ. I know that he is good and he is the way, the truth, and the life. So I'm going to follow that. I'm not going to follow the flesh. I'm not going to follow the worldly view of the way I was being treated was eh, some, some people just don't have flourishing marriages. I didn't want to believe in that. It did strike me down a few times. How did I handle it? I definitely felt lost and alone. I'm not going to let this destroy the woman that God has made and the woman that's got a purpose-driven life of ministry, hope and healing for those who struggle from anxiety. I'm not going to let that man destroy that. God is going to be faithful and he has. He's going to sustain me and he has. I think there's so many ladies potentially who could hear this and think to themselves, hey, what about this? Hey, how do I I come to grips with this? What do I do? What are some next steps? And again, I think the timing of this, because holiday times are sometimes the best and sometimes the worst. My godmother, for example, Debbie Bowen, love her dearly. She is an amazing woman of God. She struggles during holiday times. Everyone's so joyful and everyone's so merry and everyone's so, and she has a hard time finding the joy in life. Truly. Yeah. And I think that's what makes Adria so amazing to me is is that no matter what (laughs) she goes, goes through, it seems like there is joy and there is a reason for the season for joy. And so I guess I would ask that even of you, Jody, is all the stuff that's happened. And I know the easy answer is, well, it's Jesus. That's where my joy comes from. On a tangible level, is there a way somebody can really grab onto that joy right now and hold on to it and maybe hold that tight this time of year? I concur with what you say. And this is a hard time for a lot of people. And irony about what you just said is this has actually been a hard scene for me. And I've always loved Thanksgiving and Christmas, the decorations. I believe I will always. My mother always made it so special through decoration and through celebration. And Thanksgiving was really, really hard. Parents are coming for Christmas, so that'll be nice to have them in town down in the South here in your favorite state. One of the things that the Lord laid on my heart a couple of days ago, I was on a call with some women in ministry. They were talking about joy. It's another friend of mine who speaks to joy in her ministry. <laughs> I love acronyms. I'm an acronym girl. The Lord laid this. He just downloaded it. Joy is Jesus over you. When you stop making it about you and stop making the holiday about you and stop making the presents about you. And that goes to what you feel you're entitled to for your family and what you're supposed to be giving and what you're supposed to be decorating and cooking and shopping. And this is just a life lesson just for today and always. The more you make your walk about the Lord and not about yourself is really truly where that peace that surpasses understanding, it really starts to park in your spirit and it helps you to endure even through seasons that are hard, like holidays that most people get more anxious and stressed out and there's more confrontation and there's frustration and they go broke and all those crazy things. We're missing the reason for the season. That's such a saying. I think it's because we are making it about the flesh and the world and the secular perspective. And when we start to focus on Christ, that he is over me and then pray about it. I mean, my book is, I've got 22 days of day and night devotionals about anxiety tips. So 22 day night, so now it's 44. 
I have 44 prayers in there. Pray about it. One of the things in the faith cocoon you have to do consistently is pray, 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 pray. Pray for discernment. Pray for wisdom. Pray for healing. Pray for hope. Pray for hearing from the Lord. Praying for making good decisions. Prayer, 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 prayer. Prayer is the bridge between panic and peace. When we can realize that even holidays are panicking to a lot of people. God is faithful, but he's faithful through communication. So we have to use that intercessor, that Holy Spirit that was gifted to us. See what he says about it. I guarantee you, you're making it too much about yourself and your family. And it really, it should be about him. But I want to push on that prayer cocoon thing, because that's what yeah. I hear you say. I mean, I know it's a spiritual cocoon, kind of like a prayer cocoon. Yeah. There are those who would look at that cocoon and say, okay, cool. I need to now get into isolation. I now need to get alone. I now need to just break away from all of the hubbub and the hustle and the joy joyfulness, lights and the twinkly and the presence and the mistletoe and the Hallmark movies. I love to make fun of Hallmark movies because they're fun. I think their next movie is going to be called Nostalgic Lane, by the way. I'm, I'm working on them right now to <laughs> see if they'll pitch my idea. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be a great Hallmark movie. Nostalgic Lane. Watch for it next season. Point is, is that I think so many times people tend to hide rather than to come out. And a cocoon almost implies like you can hide. You can go hide under the blanket. You can just stay there and you don't have to do anything else. But I don't think that's what you're saying. No, what I'm saying is protecting yourself from the ways of the world. Romans 12, 1 and 2, do not conform to the ways of the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How else are you going to do that if you're walking in Babylon on your street of people that are just abusing their spirit and the soul and the body? Literally, there's certainly different levels. If you're in grief, like actual grief of loss. In some ways, you do kind of have to isolate yourself for a short period of time. In fact, when this first happened, my dear friend, Misty Phillip, who's BFF in life and in ministry. The and mom she of is podcasting, we'll call it. Mama, the mom of podcasting. She is the mama of podcast. And she is so real and so true to heart. That's what I love about her. She's doing all things, breaking glass ceilings. And she is a sister in Christ and she's the real deal. She said, I give you three months. I thought that was cute because we were actually going to be meeting Orlando again in May for another conference. She's like, oh, three months. And she was saying it jokingly. The sister would say, we're not going to let you harbor in this pain too long. My dad gave me six months because I was going to be visiting him a few months later than I think it was in July or August. And I finally was like, Lord, I don't need anyone's timeline. I need your timeline. I thought three months and six months was enough. And here we are 10, 11 months in, and I'm still dealing with a new normal. Timing is really irrelevant. How you grow in the Lord is his timing. It may take a day, a week, a year. No, don't be a hermit. Get out there and do life because here's the thing. Communication and fellowship with your church family and with your small groups is critical. Honor what you need in terms of time when you're walking through grief. Now, people who are dealing with anxiety on a general level don't necessarily have a grief circumstance, just have a general anxiety disorder. I cover that in my book. And the irony is I am not telling you to sit on your butt and go, Going to a fake cocoon. I'm actually saying get your butt out of the house. In fact, when you're dealing with a lot of anxiety, walking is great, exercising is great, traveling is great. Unless, of course, you have a severe panic disorder towards flying, which I had, and I no longer have that, which I'm grateful for. And I speak about that as well. So, no, I would never encourage that for a generally anxious yeah. person. Grief is another thing that you can't rush it. Often, I ask people to go back in time. It's one of my favorite questions that I've ever thought of: of going back in time, jumping in the DeLorean with me, going back in time. But this time, instead of going back in time, we're going to go to the Back to the Future number two, which he goes forward in time. So we're going to go forward in time with you, Jody. Okay. So Jody, at, at your age of 35. <laughs> 
Thank you. Three things you're not to ask me, my weight, my age, and my shoe size. So good boy. Thank you, friend. Going forward in time, you at 35 right now, let's jump ahead 10 years. Yeah. You're 45 at that moment. You look back on the last 10 years. What do you think your future self would want to be doing? So let's be real. I'm not 35. (laughs) I don't think I'm going to be touring with some big worship band. And I don't think I'm going to be, I don't know what the Lord has for my future. Here's the thing that I have a heart of hope that I can still be doing ministry, writing books, speaking. Speaking is where my heart really lies. I love to get up on a stage. I am not a stranger to the microphone. And I absolutely love, love, love being on a stage or behind a microphone. Pray that the Lord gives me an opportunity to share the gospel in a form that is going to reach many. If there's a godly man, I know it's where you're going. If there's a man of God. I wasn't necessarily going there. I mean, I don't want to be alone the rest of my life. Feel like you're empowered. But now, actually, I think I don't think God's intent for our creation was for us to be alone. There was this in the first book. He made a woman for myself. Hoping that I'm living and I'm doing a godly, holy life with a family that is glorifying the Lord. And I hope I'm doing that through ministry. Well, I guess my thought behind that question is the idea that you're not just thinking about the right now. No. You're not just thinking about the next month. You're really trying to say there is life after this oh, grieving 100%. moment. And I guess that's what I'm I got trying you. to say. Is that what you're trying to say? Yes, I, I, I totally guess in, believe a, in that. a sort of cryptic sort of way. Okay. I, I probably this should just me. come We're out talking and say to that. You, well, you I don't know have that. To be cryptic. You can be bold. <laughs> I think so many times when folks endure something like this, again, whether it yeah. be like you're talking about the three major things, the grief of a child, which I've had people come on talking about the grief of their child. Not only did they lose their child, but they lost their marriage in the process. That's yeah. happened. The divorce. It is rampant in this country. How easy people are like, you're done. I'm done. Let's just divide the house, divide the kids, divide the toys, divide the dogs. And here we go. You go your way. I'm going to go my way. I'm hearing more and more of, I work in an auto body business where I talked to a lady just today who says, well, I wrecked my car and my husband handled all this stuff. I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me? Of course, my heart breaks for her because I can't imagine waking up tomorrow and not having Elizabeth. Like that just sounds awful. You're on a mission to move forward. You're not just going to stay stagnant. People who are walking truly in doubt to Jesus Christ. We know how we hear from the Lord and it doesn't happen all the time and you have to be in the right place and frame of mind to hear from God. I can tell you, I went through many years of not hearing from him, but this year him and I have had a lot of conversations and he has been speaking to me. I've been open to hearing from him. And when I say speaking, I'm talking comes through the Holy Spirit as a transmitter and it's transmitted in a way that we understand it. So the Lord has shown me through telling me to get out of the way, telling me he's going to do a work, telling me he's not going to let me go. He has shown me other things and I'm not going to say right now about my future. And I have given it to him. I pray that I get a second chance at love. I pray that I get a second chance at an actual God, godly man and a godly marriage and a partner that we can do life wholly, wholeheartedly devoting that to Christ. I pray that that's in my future. If it's not, I'll be okay. The Lord has shown me what it's like to be alone. I just don't love being alone. I was never alone and it's not an insecurity. It's just not how he made me. And I just hope it's not forever. It is hard. It's very, very hard. I had a really bad week last week, just a perfect storm of stuff happening. And I wasn't looking at the Lord through it. I was handling it on my own and it ended up getting a little out of control. Fast forward through the circumstance right before Thanksgiving, I came into my home and my doorknob was broken. And throughout all the things that were going wrong that week, 
and I wasn't looking at the Lord. And when I would look at him, I'd be like, Lord, why is this happening? What is going on? I just, I can only handle so much. I have no one to turn to. Everything's on me. I'm raising a child by myself. I'm a single mom and I don't want to be a single mom. My oldest daughter and just so much. I come in the doorknobs broken in the garage and I look at her like, you got to be kidding me. I'm a girl and I'm not a girl that can't handle things. I've had to learn how to be tough and fix things. I can hang things. I'm, I'm fine being independent. I didn't know how to fix this doorknob and it's like Wednesday night, right before Thanksgiving. There's nobody to call, no one to lean to. God has blessed me with godly married men in terms of in line with their wives to be great men in my life to say, hey, if you need anything, I am here for you, along with their women. I got to tell you, it's incredible. You've been a good friend in that arena. So is Misty, my girlfriend, Lisa. Their husbands have stepped up and said, whatever you need, we are here for you. And that's awesome. That's great. The doorknob was broken. And at that time, I was losing my, again, and I looked right up at the Lord and I said, Lord, I just, you know, my level of patience is very, very thin right now. And Neil, no joke, fiddled one, two, three, and it fixed the doorknob. That's the God we serve. The God that can fix our broken hearts and he even fixes the doorknobs. I was like, he knew it. He got it. The lesson I could take away from that moment was he said, I told you to look to me. You look to me for the divorce. You look to me for the struggles of your children. You look to me for the doorknob that is broken. I am majestic, powerful, paranormal. I am the way maker and the miracle worker. You look to me for it all and I will provide. But I think we expect the manna to show up. That'll help in the future. <laughs> we, we expect the manna to come down. We expect the miraculous and the we amazing. We really do. And then we when totally he does the do. little, we're like, are you just showing off now? Come the on. 24 hours before then was so bad that he had to show me that small moment. And he's like, Jody, I can fix your doorknob. I'm your new bridegroom. I'm the, the man of the house. I'm the man of your life right now. I'm going to fix your doorknob. And he did. And I know some people who aren't believers are going to think that's crazy, but that's God. That is the God of miracles and the God of provision and the God of love. I can't ask for anything better than that. Well, he opens the door to your heart. Amen. I mean, how else he do you doesn't. get into your house if he doesn't fix the doorknob? Exactly. You have to so go around good. the other side. Nobody does that. Everybody goes through the garage. Like I could have FaceTimed Neil. I could be like, Neil, all right, what the heck here? And I know. You probably should I have FaceTimed Rory because that's probably the better option. Rory would have been the better option because he is a contractor. Yeah, absolutely but hey, the Jesus better option. was a contractor. So what does that tell you? Now your roadcaster goes down, your internet goes down, your iPhones aren't working right. I'm probably that guy. I have reached out to you on those things. You know, I'm and just you have saying, been a great brother the, to me on that. Yeah. The doorknob breaks, you probably want to call Rory. I'm going to I'm going to FaceTime Rory. It's all good. Yeah. That's what I'm asking about. Yeah. We've talked about your book. We've kind of alluded to it. You know, you've talked about it. It is out on Amazon right now. Folks can go grab themselves a copy. Mine is here in hand. I can't wait to get on the plane tomorrow and read it. Oh. Perfect. Okay. As I go I on my trip, I'm going <laughs> to read it as the plane starts to take off because I don't like to fly. Yeah, I got a chapter in that. I'll, I'll text you which chapter. <laughs> I'm just going to jump right to that. Maybe out of order. Okay, yeah. So I'm just going to go right to that. But we go Medford to Denver, Denver to Miami, and then we, we catch our ship, Royal Caribbean. So here we are. Can't wait. What I'm wondering about in the book is in that creative process, hardest chapter for you to write was what? That's a, such a great question. I actually... That's why I ask it. <laughs> That's what I call stalling. That's such a great question. <laughs> oh, is that what people are doing to me the whole time? It's not really a great question. They're stalling me. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what. I've been writing this thing for six years. It really and truly has been a labor of love. But when I worked with my publisher, we changed a lot. 
She told me to put in that I'm walking through a broken marriage. It was very hard for me to do that. You are being so transparent. And now I'm transparent in the written word that may go out to 10 people. I don't know how many people are going to read this book. Thousands My parents have already least. sold 20. Thousands so I think I'm good. Least. Come on. Thousands at least. Thousands and thousands. I think it's a good book. and It's such an easy read. I wrote about that at night 20. Let me read that really quick for you. As I published this book, I am going through a divorce and currently facing big struggles. It's not exactly what one would consider a peaceful time. Yet in the middle of the messes around me, God provides me with a peace that surpasses all understanding. He gives me knowledge and helps me trust that he works everything out for good. Little by little, I can see he is doing that. God is peace and I am a testimony. I used for my tip, peace is not the absence of problems. It is the presence of God. And most especially, I talked on a live on Facebook today about my life first being Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, but Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Neil, that is God. That is this book. That is this year. That is this ministry. That is the struggle. The peace that surpasses understanding through a divorce, through loneliness, through flying. I'm really going to put that out there because my next book, oh Lord, has laid a book on my heart. It talked a lot more about that and how we think about the things that we're so afraid of. Our minds are very delicate and so incredibly powerful. A large majority of the time on planet Earth with our minds, we are funneling through the wrong lenses. We're allowing the data that just sort of just comes into our minds, actions that we we put out there. And feelings and emotions are important. We really need to funnel them through something that is proper, sustainable, and worthy, and that is God. And then when you funnel your thoughts, feelings and your emotions and your fears and your anxieties to the Lord, he gives you a peace that surpasses understanding. Doesn't necessarily take the problem away. That's why, you know, peace is, it's not the absence of problems. Obviously, I'm not anxious right now. I'm talking to one of my dear friends. I'm having a ball on your podcast. I'm in a place of peace. My problems are still there. My marriage is still broken and ended. My oldest daughter still struggles with her identity. My problems haven't gone anywhere. But the peace that he gives me through this is more than I could ever ask for. And that is what the ultimate message that I'm trying to give people who are walking in a place of anxious fear. So I'm a big fan of The Chosen. Have you finished Please The Chosen Don't ch- episode three yet? Have you finished yeah, it? Dying. I'm dying. I just need to know, have you finished it? Yes or no? Yes. Season three was the bomb. So you I have finished. You, you have finished it. The okay. whole thing. All right. Did I finish episode three? I was in tears. Okay, the end of it with Peter. I was in. Okay, I'm going to wreck this for people. I'm just absolutely going to wreck this. So if you haven't watched The Chosen and you're not a fan of the show, go check it out because I am a big fan of the show and I love it. So in this scene, Peter doesn't want to go out with Jesus and the others. He keeps like trying to put it off, put it off, put it off. Jesus keeps telling one of the other disciples he needs to be there. And he is like, finally shows up, doesn't want to be there, just kind of going through the motions. And Jesus is feeding the 5,000. So that's that's pretty epic, pretty epic story, pretty, pretty cool. Pretty amazing moment. And Peter's like, meh, seen this before. I'm like, okay, big deal. <laughs> and then yeah. they go out in the boat and oh. it's crazy windy and it's storming and it's like perfect storm, the movie. Yep. And he calls him out and then he starts to sink. <laughs> and then Jesus saves him, of course, famously. And they get in the boat. The thing that gets me in that scene is he's hugging so tightly onto Jesus. And he keeps repeating he this line, don't let me go. Don't let me go. 
Don't let, let me, me go. go. And Jody, when I saw that, I honest to God thought of you. <laughs> I love it. And is so it, many, man? and so many others. I mean, yes, you oh were, you were the that list. Is... There was a lot of names, but you were on that list. It was a very small list. I'm wondering about this for you. Is if you let go of Jesus this last year, if you did, big I, big F, you could have easily said, you know what, God, I'm done. I'm out. Where were you? Why didn't you save? Why didn't you do? Why didn't, you know, like Peter, you could have like little James. Why don't you heal me? Okay. Little James is another big one. Yes. Why yes. don't you heal me? You could have easily said, you know what, God, peace out. I'm done. If you had let go of him, what would life maybe have looked like? Well, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. It wouldn't be worth living. When I said earlier in the podcast about dying on the hill that is Jesus, that's a real powerful statement that I had to make the choice that how was I going to prosper in life, my spirit, my soul, my body, with a man who doesn't even want to know Jesus Christ, let alone be a replica of his grace or try. Do I want to follow that or do I want to follow Jesus? It's so poignant in that scene because that was my week last week where I was drowning before the drowning to when he gets out of the boat and just says, oh, I got this. I want to I can walk on water. And he does. And then he just takes his eyes off of him and puts his eyes on the storm. And then he starts drowning. And then Jesus, the beautiful gentleman that he is, reaches his hand out and pulls him back up again. That's the God we serve. The gentleman, Prince of Peace, the one who wants us to want him. Because when we want him, we flourish. I didn't have a choice, Neil. I didn't have a choice. And I am grateful that the world didn't suck me up because it tried. And that faith cocoon and the prayer cocoon, those things were incredible to implement. But I believe the Lord put a hedge of protection on me. Anytime, anything of the world and the flesh and the Babylonian neighborhood I live in and all the things, he made sure that even though the enemy was going to try to work his way in, and he did many times, that ultimately all I had to do was look to Jesus. And I was good. That's basically the whole season three. And I want to really quickly point out the little James episode again. If anyone says they're watching, I'm so sorry. But the little it's James worth the watch episode, again. If you haven't seen it, it's I'm going to go through again. the whole season yeah, again anyways, because yeah. it was that good. I can't wait for season four. The little James part two was able to identify with that a lot. Little James being disabled and looking to him like, you're having me go out and be a minister to heal people. And I have a limp and you're not going to heal me. And I, and I kind of felt like that in my heart in the beginning parts of this year where I'm doing all the things for you, God. I have a podcast. I am writing a book. At the time, I didn't know I was actually going to get it out there. I'm talking early in the year before I even knew my life was going to crumble down a little. And it's like, I am, I am honoring and glorifying you, Lord. You're not going to bless me with a redemptive marriage? That scene showed me that it's not always about the straight answer to the straight prayer. It's the growing of the circumstances. And it's showing people that even with a limp and even with a divorce and even with imperfect family, I can glorify him and that peace he provides. Well, Jody, how can people get the book like I did? What can they do? Where can they go? You can go into Amazon and you can type in the air that I breathe and it's by Jody Howe. And I'm, I'm so grateful that the Lord has allowed it to be a book that pops up the minute you write the air that I breathe now. So I've been checking that. You can go to my website, which is jodyhow.com. It is updated. You can actually go into my author page and link on it and it'll bring you right to Amazon. You can buy it there. Well, and I'm so grateful. You know, I know because you're 35 now, maybe you're I look nervous. good for 35. <laughs> and I know in your nervousness of being here today, everyone always gets a little nervous around me, a little anxiety. Oh yeah, driven. I'm so scared of you. I know, right? <laughs> Especially after spending at least 48 hours with me. Uh, uh, there is yeah, one other place blessing. that people can go 
go to check it out as, as well, which we'll link back to Amazon. That's, of course, OPSpodcast.com under books that I love. It'll be up towards the top. You've been a great friend to me, and I appreciate you and your family so very much. This is one of the best podcasts out there. Well, just so you know, it's not above Dean Smith's book. <laughs> okay. I have to tell you that it's you not know, above it's Roy just, Williams' You always got to dig, 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 dig. It's not. It can't be, Jody. It can't be above those books. Y'all, I'm just going to say being a sister in Christ to Neil Matthews and his crazy UNC obsession, it is seriously a real thing. Like when I saw you and Rory just has that beautiful glow of a smile on his face, like shaking his head, like I just, my brother-in-law, what am I going to do? I didn't marry into this. My sister did. It is real. Like everything you had on you was Tar Heels. Yeah, it kills me that I had I had to go to the big Tar Heels game and, you know, root on my Syracuse University Orangemen and the freaking lost so bad that I had to walk out. I couldn't finish the game. It was such a, a slam to the... You could have gone like, to the Duke game and watched me almost cry. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a mercy moment oh, or a glorified man. moment. I didn't have any of that at this game and got a new coach. So I go back hope. to that Duke game and I... I just, I actually started watching the other day at work, the telecast. I, I didn't watch the telecast yet. And I am so mad because you know what? A part of my heart was like, when you and Rory were going, I was like, you know what? Should I just go on like, <laughs> I don't know, somewhere, StubHub or something and grab a ticket. They were so Like expensive. I really would have loved to have been there. No, because you know me. Here's my rule. I'm a Syracuse orange girl. You're Syracuse, a graduate orange, from Syracuse. I'm an alma. Yeah, it's my alma mater. Okay. Whenever Syracuse is playing anyone, obviously that's number one. Whenever UNC is playing anyone, I don't care. <laughs> But when UNC is playing Duke, always for UNC. Because of the Never, devil. ever will I give homage to Duke. Ever, 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 Because ever, of ever. the devil, right? Yes. That is partly why I hate them so much. That is, I'm with you. Did you so see what Rory, speaking of Rory, did you see what he did? It's, Put the it's flag brilliant. in entryway to my new shoe shack. It's, it's already Satan possessed. There's just, you gotta, you gotta burn it now. Burn down the I'm shack. burning down the flag. <laughs> I'm burning the flag. I don't care what Jason Aldean says. We're lighting it up in this small town. There you go, Jason Aldean. That's so awesome. Well, Jody, so awesome. I want to say thanks so much for coming on. Obviously, you Always. know how I feel. You're a great friend. It was amazing meeting you face-to-face, -face, finally. It was so cool meeting Adria. I'm sad Rory had to come with us. Just kidding. He's amazing. Rory's we love the Rory. best. Rory's amazing. I feel like we can't do normal senseless because it's you. You were already on a previous episode this year. Here we go. I'm throwing caution to the wind oh as a creator. Here okay. we go. Caution to the wind. We have an episode that will be running next week. And then week after that will be our Christmas episode. So Garrett stops by and we walk through this last year and Garrett? we talk Garrett, my old executive <laughs> producer. Yep. I know Garrett. Yeah. And we actually talk about a pair of new shoes that are in my studio that will be here forever. And, and then we finish out the season with a professional baseball player that I cannot wait for you guys to hear his story. We're calling it Curveball. Just going to finish out the year. And then we start January. You'll hear in the Christmas episode what our theme is. I've never revealed it early, oh. but this year I am. So something to look forward to in the next couple of weeks. Next week's episode is just as good, too. We, we have another great, amazing guest. Even though I will not be in the country, you will be able to hear it right here at Other People's Shoes. So, Jody, again, you being here previous season... I feel like it's only fitting we switch up senseless. So here we go. I'm going to okay. just give you this. Yeah. You can be in a Hallmark movie. You can have a number one Christmas song on the radio that is played for years and years and years to come, i.e. Mariah Carey. All I want for Christmas is you. So of that level. Okay. Yeah. The third one, and this is where it gets fun. The third one, you could spend Christmas in Oregon. Why do I want to go to Oregon? <laughs> I just had to throw What's out something Oregon? weird. I don't know. Nothing's in Oregon. I, it's not. It's nothing. fine. Actually, Oregon is beautiful. The ocean side is supposed to be lovely. Cold, but yes. Well, I'll give you a fourth one. I feel like we need an even number. All right. So here we go. Recap again. Your own Christmas movie. 
Hallmark Christmas yep. movie that you star in because you do yep. like to act. Number two is you have a an award-winning Christmas song that is played for decades to come, kind of like I okay. E Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You. You can spend your Christmas in Oregon. Okay. And number four, you get to be a New York Times bestseller author. Mm-hmm. That's your Christmas wishes. What would you want Santa to bring you if there was such a thing as Santa? It definitely can take Oregon out of the mix. All right, so right. Oregon's off the table. Okay, we took Oregon off. And then there was the music. I would love to have a, a bestseller book. So you would yeah. want to be a because New York I Times love- bestseller. Yeah. That would Out of be all really the neat. things. Yeah, that would be really neat because Hallmark movies are just for fun to watch. You know, you just don't know how they're going to end. So it's really enticing just to be like. <laughs> you do. The town gets saved. They fall in love in the last five minutes of the movie. And it's amazing. They need to throw a crutch. They really do need to produce like one movie where the the couple doesn't end up. I have got my favorites too. Don't think I'm not watching it. And I I got my cute Hallmark boy favorites that I watch. I'm telling you, Nostalgic Lane though. Nostalgic Lane is going to be amazing. You just wait Nostalgic Lane. Nostalgic Lane is going to be amazing. It's that important to you, even though you're a singer by trade. Yes. Wait, you didn't say I could record a recording song that would become like a Grammy that, no, that was just, an option. I don't I think might. she won a Grammy with All I Want for Christmas is You. It's just you played know, forever like and top... ever and ever and ever. I know. I hate that song. I really don't like it. See, I listen to, I still love Charlie Brown Christmas. I listen to that album every year. We bring it out and it's awesome. Yeah, I would love that. I think a New York best time. I got to tell you, Neil, the Lord laid a book on my heart. It's the next book. I think it is so good. And I'm, I'm, I, I just needed to get this one out. Once it's sort of out and the season's over, I'm ready to start writing next year. It's a good one. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost tempted to say, God willing, you could make it there. It actually could. So by the way, all I want for Christmas is you came out October 29th, 1994. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. I just Googled oh, it because I was curious. Because Mariah Carey came out in the nineties. I used to, yeah, I guess, you're right. I used yeah. to sing her songs at night. For my sorority sisters at our sorority house, I used to sing Ryan Carey songs at night when we would come home from the, I'm going to quote, air quote library. <laughs> That's not where we came from. From, from study hall. Yeah. Yeah, from study hall. And I used to do that. When, when a hero, yeah, com- when 90s, a hero comes along, yeah. I'll have the strength then, to carry here. It's one of my favorite Mariah Carey songs. It is a great song. Well, Jody, I just want to say thanks again for coming on. Thanks for giving us a few moments today. All right, guys and gals, kids and campers alike, that is it. That is all. That is our show today. Merry Christmas to you. Before we go, I think it's only fitting we ask this question. Imagine if you're defined forever as you're only ever going to be a failure. You're only ever going to be divorced. You're only ever going to be, again, fill in that blank, whatever that blank may be for you, that blank space to quote Taylor Swift. So here's your blank space. Here's your moment. It's the holiday season. January is going to be here before we blink twice. Is this the time you start to ramp up? Is this the time you start to say to yourself, enough's enough. I'm tired of being, I'm only this. Is this the moment that you, much like Jody, put aside the fear, put aside the anxiety, put aside the junk, put aside the garbage, and finally say once and for all, it's time to... Take in the air that we're breathing and really say, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to unwrap. I'm ready to come out of the cocoon. I'm ready to fly. Let me know. OPSpodcast.com is a great place to let me know. You can, of course, let us know on the socials at OPS Podcast Show on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And like I said, next week, right back here. And don't forget, remember, when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. I'm Neil Matthews. And again, stay tuned until next week when we walk in other people's shoes.